Hello, and welcome to Enlightened Empaths with Samantha and Denise, a community for the spiritually awakened. Today, we have a very special guest on our show who served as the conduit for Denise and I meeting and ultimately creating this show. Those of you who have been faithful listeners know that I simply refer to him as my Johnny because he's been so instrumental in my spiritual education. But the world knows him as John Holland, the internationally renowned psychic medium, spiritual teacher, author, and radio host. John has spent a significant part of his life developing his psychic and mediumship abilities and spent two years studying in the UK to become one of the most sought-after professional mediums on the world stage today. He's the author of several bestsellers, including Power of the Soul and Psychic Navigator, plus the Oracle Deck Psychic Tarot for the Heart, and Spirit Messages, a Daily Guidance Oracle Deck, as well as five top-selling apps. His latest book, Bridging Two Realms, just came out in February. He also hosts his own show on Hay House Radio called Spirit Connections. He has starred in several TV specials, including A&E's Mediums, We See Dead People, and his own pilot, Psychic History, for the History Channel. But I first discovered you, John, in the 1990s on Unsolved Mysteries. You were oh, so wow. great in that episode. Wow, wow. Yeah, you're going back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have been a fan for such a long time. So it's a truly an honor to have you on our show. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Samantha and Denise. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. And your book, your newest book, is fabulous. We were just talking before the show and we were saying that it's, you know, I love Psychic Navigator, your, um, one of your earlier books, because sure. it's got one of the best informative go-to guides on how to open up safely. And I love Born Knowing because it tells your story. And I love your Psychic Tarot deck. I love all of your stuff, obviously. But this <laughs> book, Bridging, <laughs> Bridging Two Realms, it's really a reference guide for everybody, for the bereaved, for those awakening, for those wanting to study mediumship, it's got everything in it. Well, that's when I wrote, you know, when Hay House came to me and they said, John, do you have a book in you? And, and I, you know, I thought, I thought I wrote everything that I needed to write. And because how many times can you say the dead are alive? Really? I mean, right. how many times can you say it? <laughs> but I thought about it. And when I write, ladies, I always write from a place of, I don't write just to put out another book. I have to be inspired. Now, I haven't written in a book in seven years. And so I sat down and I said, what are people asking for? What are people looking for? What is in my workshops and my audiences? So that's where I came up. Years ago, people were perfectly fine getting a reading um, from a medium or a psychic for some guidance or linking or uh, the medium bringing through someone, you know, a loved one. But they're asking more profound questions now, like, what is my loved one doing? Can they see us? Why am I so psychic now? I feel like I'm touching the other side. Does that mean I'm a medium? And I think that the consciousness of man, something is happening. More and more people um, are find, waking up, find themselves more sensitive, more intuitive. So is the spirit world getting closer or is the consciousness of man getting higher? See, I think, the, I think it's a little bit of both. So the first part of the book is for anyone that have lost someone. Um, because I wanted to, they want, a lot of people say, what is my loved one doing? Um, where, where do they see us? And that's what I put in there. And I did a lot of research with near-death uh, near experience people who have come back and said what they're going through. I talk about a personal experience. Um, 
very, very personal. I think one of the most the personal experiences of my life is when my mom passed. And I share that in the book, what it was like um, to be with someone who has passed away. And I hope it because, you know, ladies, so many of us, uh, so many people, someone may be ill or towards the end of their life. And we have a tendency here to hold on, hold on, don't go, don't go, don't go. Chances are that they might go. So I always say, enjoy your time with the people here now. Instead of fighting, enjoy them uh, with an open hand and ask them questions and talk about things and memories. And that's what the first part of the book is. Um, you know, where your loved one is going, how they're going to get there, who's going to greet them. Second part of the book is for people who want to take this maybe to the next level. Because I feel like there's a lot of mediums out there. And um, if you ladies know me, I'm a big advocate of not taking just a weekend workshop and hanging out your shingle and popping up a website. Uh, hanging out your shingle, for those who don't understand, it's, that's an old term of uh, hanging out your business card because I feel like mediumship, um, is, it's a huge responsibility, huge responsibility, and it's a life of service. And there's a major training that's involved, not just uh, for yourself, but ethically also. So the second part of the book tells that, and it helps people who have never been, because some of your listening audience might have never been to a medium. So I, I give advice on what to expect, what to bring to the table when you go for one, and what the medium, what the medium should be bringing to the table also. So it encompasses it all, and it's doing really well. I mean, it just came out at the beginning of March, and it's getting uh, really good reviews, and um, I'm just happy. It's already helping a lot of people, just like you said, um, Samantha. I like the way you, uh, one of the themes in the book is don't become dependent on a medium. Yes. And that's what I love, that message of empowering yourself to make your own connection with your loved one. That's and I right. think people can read this book and learn actually how to do that rather than just being told, oh, look for a sign or see if you smell their perfume. This book walks you through how to make that connection for yourself. Absolutely. And I try to tell people, you may not be able to get to a medium. And if you go into a medium with someone else, if you think about it, you're getting the information secondhand. Um, you may not get the, the same result as when a medium's doing it because a medium's being objective and he's on the outside. But there are many ways to feel your loved one. Um, and there's so many different techniques that are researched in there and some new ones. And, and I, just, I hope it helps people to, to know that their loved ones are still with them and uh, you can have contact with them. Because I, I often joke and say, your loved one's on the other side. They want to talk to you as much as you want to talk to them. True. So true. Can you share the $43 sand dollar story real quick? Oh, that's from uh, Jerry. Um, that's, um, yeah, it's, um, there was a, a friend of mine, Gretchen, she had a friend and she said that she told me an experience that her friend had of um, her, she lost her son, her, she lost her husband, David, and they have three kids, two boys and a girl. And of course it was sad. Their family had to watch them go through this illness. And the, the boy, um, the, the young son, he was just about to start high school. Now that's big for a kid. Yeah, it's big right. to go from middle school to high school. And so he wished that his dad was around to support him. And because I think the kids are school. I mean, when you go into high school, it's a whole new different, it's a whole different ball game. And so the mother knew he was feeling kind of alone. She says, why don't we go to the beach? And uh, they go to this, her and her husband used to go to this beach. I think it's Crane's Beach in New England, where they would find the sand dollars. And they would always find one. Well, on that day, she takes her kid. He jumps off the couch and says, let's go. They couldn't find one. They're walking up and down the seashore looking for a sign, maybe a, that, that her dad 
or his dad or her husband. And she's like thinking up, come on, David, give him a, give him a, give him a sand dollar. Couldn't find one. Then all of a sudden, this guy pulls up on a boat close to shore, pulls in and says, yells out, are you looking for sand dollars? And they're like, yes. And they both screamed. And he says, try that sandbar over there. So, um, you know, they walked over there. They, she, the mother turned around and, and the boat was gone. I mean, she didn't even see him like take off. Well, first of all, how did he know that they weren't looking for sea glass or uh, heart rocks or who knows, you know, jewelry? I don't know. And so when they went over there, that's when they found one after the other. Four, they found 43 of them. So the kid took him home. And uh, so that's the story uh, with the sand That's dollar. amazing. Yeah, and I talk about that in the book. After the, um, the, the calling, I call them calling cards from heaven, or I call them after uh, uh, ADCs, after death communication, um, signs and symbols. And, you know, I, I list many other symbols. And that's just one of them. It's uh, people find feathers, dimes, pennies. Um, nature is big, so there's a whole list there too, but beautiful, beautiful story. And as a matter of fact, as a gift, uh, a friend of mine, she makes stained glass and she had some sand dollars hanging, white sand dollars on blue glass that she made from scratch. So I just sent it to her um, as a thank you for the story also, because uh, it was a very personal story. And, oh. you know, yeah, it's, it's very personal. And, you know, it touches, in any sign that you get from your loved one, you know it's a sign when it touches your heart. Uh, and it touches your soul. You know that, Denise, right? Exactly. And that's Absolutely. a beautiful, beautiful validation, not only for that woman and her son, but also for the father who's in spirit, because that connection, and I think this is one of the things we were talking about earlier, Samantha and I, as far as our job as mediums and as being the conduit is to honor both sides of the fence. And And we're not only here for the people who are in spirit, but also the people who are here grieving and trying to find that closure or, or place of peace. So Absolutely. Um, it's important, important work. <laughs> and I it love is. the way that you put the, um, when you made the, the connection of um, the story with your mom and, and you don't need a medium. And, and I love that because I think sometimes people come to us for, for validation, just to know that what they're getting and the person who is in spirit is with them. And we can just give them that little message and say, yes, you're spot on. This is this, this is what they're sending. And that gives people such a sense of, it, it empowers people to, to be their own medium. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I put real stories in there too. And I'm not going to give it away. People would have to read it. But my, one of my favorites is the Snoopy story at the end that I end the book with. So that's pretty cool. When I ever, if I'm ever going through something, because I'm just a man, I mean, I'm not always, you know, I may be into metaphysics and, you know, and uh, spirituality too, but I'm just a guy. And if I'm ever doubting myself or I go to that Snoopy story and it's, uh, it's amazing how those on the other side can validate that they're really with you. So that was really, really, really a cool story. And I'm, I'm still familiar with these people to this day. I'll see them at my events and they'll be like, it's us, the Snoopy people. So if people have a chance to read that, it's the last story in the book. It's the epilogue. Yeah. I wanted to end with that very special story. So thank you so much. I won't, I won't give the story away, John, but just so everyone knows, spirit makes John shop sometimes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every once in a while. Every once in a while. <laughs> it could be a private or it could be, uh, uh, and I don't go into a store like, okay, spirit, should I buy something? I went into a store to buy a birthday card and then I heard the words. 
um, about Snoopy. And I trust it because Snoopy has nothing to do with my life. And, um, and I presented it in an audience of um, myself and Brian Weiss in Boston in front of 1,100 people. And he and I are going to be together again after a couple of I mean, it's been a couple of years since we worked together, but in Boston. So very, very special story. So I hope people uh, enjoy it. So how would you define being an empath? Because that's our show, Enlightened Empaths. And I think that's a very used word right now. And you oh, shared very it? openly about growing up. Uh, being the sensitive one in the family. And I've often, like, I'm the middle child and I have a sister and brother and I won the, the lottery with the sensitivity, I guess. So I'm wondering, do you have other siblings that are equally as sensitive and empathic? Yeah, and empathic for anyone. It's, um, you, know, you pick up other people's thoughts, you pick up other people's feelings. And I talk about that in the book too, about the three kinds of psychics. And if someone may be uh, open to their environment and the people around them. They don't know why all of a sudden they're moody. They started off the day great. Now they're feeling grumpy or drained. So they're at the uh, mercy of the environment. They don't even know that they're empaths or that they're psychic. Um, but it, so, and I talk about that too, but, and you can train yourself to turn it up and turn it off. But my siblings, there's a hint of it. Um, it seems to be on my mother's side. My grandmother, um, she was very psychic, but they didn't use that word. It was just it, what we were growing up with. What my mother used to say is, grandma knows things. That's all they said. <laughs> she just knows things. She knew when people passed away, when nobody told her. And she, she would say, how come you didn't tell me? Uh, so I believe she was a medium herself, um, to, to tell you the truth. But uh, I, it's on my grandmother's side. My mom had a hint of it. My, my brother Joe has a hint of it. Uh, my nephew, uh, Bobby, does. Um, my niece, Brittany, uh, very, very, and she, they know they have it. Um, it's what you do with it. Now, now she has taken it to the level of reading, reading the cards and studying this work. And the same thing, I have another cousin. She's very, very intuitive too. She knows when the phone's going to ring and who's on there without looking at the caller ID, but it's what you do with it. You know, it's, you have to train it. And that's why also in the book, I talk, it's great to be intuitive or you have this special ability. I try not to say gift because then if you say gift, that means it's something that you have and nobody else does, mm -hmm. but they know that they have it, uh, especially Brittany. So she's taking it to the next level. She's, she's enhancing it and developing so she can help others and herself. Beautiful. Yeah. John, how do you see mediumship changing through the years? I look at it as going from, ectoplasm and seances to demonstrations now, but I feel like it's shifting into something different. Do you see that as well? I mean, I see it has to be different now. There's so many different mediums here, and that's why in Bridging Two Realms, I talk about the different mediumships. I've been honored and blessed to see uh, transfiguration mediumship, physical mediumship, uh, healing mediumship while I was over in England. Um, and I think mental mediumship is what's happening now. And for those who don't understand, mind to mind. But I think, I think, I really think that uh, trance is coming back. And myself and a lot of other mediums, we are trying to raise the standards, raise the standards of me what mediumship is out there now. Um, you know, and like I said, I was honored to be trained by the Brits, um, by the British mediums. And their style is very, very evidential. Um, and I try to be, um, as evidential as possible, but I think uh, myself and Janet Nohavik and some other mediums, we're trying to bring, raise the standards of what mediumship is here. Um, 
not that there's not not that it's bad stuff out there. There's just a lot of it. So uh, it, it is changing, but I think it's getting deeper now. I think mediumship is going to change. It's going to go more into trance. And when you say that word, ladies, you know, people start thinking zombies, you know, or right. what they see on television. Right. Trance, simple, anytime a medium is, is reading for you or on stage or in private, you, there is a form of entrancement, meaning you're not being possessed by somebody on the other side, but they're close enough to you where you're allowing them. You know, this, when, you, when you do a mediumship, there's two things. You could either talk about the spirit who's linking with you or become them. See? So I think when you take on the mannerisms and you start twitching your face like, you, like their dad used to do or playing with your fingers like your grandmother or you, you, your face starts making a uh, – your mouth starts going to the side because that's where dad used to hold the cigars. I find the audience or the readers, they feel it. They're like, oh, my God, that's my dad. You just mm -hmm. did what my dad – what better evidence – to come through. And I think that's a lot better than, um, you know, they hear, they love you. I mean, that's great when that comes through, but I want someone to walk away from a reading and to say, Oh my God, that really was my mom. I really, really felt her. And that's the medium's job I feel. But yes, yeah, Samantha, I do believe it's changing. There's more training out there. Um, and for anyone who's developing, take your time because don't we all want it fast? Here we, you know, really, really fast. Take your time, see who you're drawn to and just trust and trust. And everybody, and I'm teaching this weekend to a full class, um, Denise and Samantha, every student is, or, you know, myself included, I think too, is we're always looking, what's the next technique? What's the next technique? Well, there's only so many. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's uh, right. I, I'm trying to tell people, you got to just do it. You know how to link with spirit. Just, you got to just do it now because they'll take class after class after class after class and not do the work. You got to do it. You got to practice it in front of people um, to do this. So, uh, and you know, it's like Jen and the Havoc says, you got to jump into it. You got to jump into the fire and people want to connect to the other side, to loved ones on the other side. Get to know your own soul first. Sit in your own power of your own soul. Sitting in the power is what it's called. And it, it's just going to get to know your own spirit first before you try to link with somebody else. Yeah, absolutely cool. love that. And, and also that what I love about doing this work, not only the it is, it's, a, it's, it's service work. And I think that that's a really important piece to bring in that people don't realize that you have to make a dedication to this. And, and to be really blunt, whenever I do a reading, I always do a prayer and meditation and ask to get the hell out of the way so that spirit can come through. Yes. And I think that that's, that's an important part of this, but also the, um, where am I going with this, Samantha? Well, let me, I'll, if you all don't mind, I'm going to read from the book of John. <laughs> <laughs> the book of John. Yes. Literally yes. or figuratively. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is, this is the book of John Holland. He says, I consider being able to communicate with the spiritual realm, both an honor and a gift. As I've said before, the ability doesn't come from us. We may be the vessel having learned the mechanics by which spirit communication flows, but we must remember that this ability comes from God, the source, a higher power, or whatever name you prefer to use. As a result, we must try to put ourselves aside and not let our egos exploit what's honorable and sacred. Mm. And I think that's... Isn't that well written, Mr. Holland? <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Who wrote that? Yeah, so I, because a lot of people, I mean, I, I explain to my audiences too, you know, before, like I got a big demonstration tomorrow, like 200 plus with um, Janet Havoc, and I try to explain to the audience because they take everything literally that comes out of the uh, medium's mouth. And I, I, say, I, I say to them, guys, listen to me. 
This is coming from spirit, meaning from your loved one, through spirit, meaning me, to spirit. Whether you're incarnate, meaning spirit in the body, or discarnate, spirit out of the body. It's a three-way process, from spirit, through spirit, to spirit. So when you have someone going, no, no, I'm like, okay, listen. I'm, I said, I am talking, it's like I'm a long-distance operator. Or, and I said, it's, I'm getting words, images, and feelings. So I think educating the audience before you work also is a big help. But yeah, thank you from that. So it's, and when mediums say to, when the students say this also, oh, I got this and I got that and I got this and I got that. I'll say, did you get it or was it given? Thank you. <laughs> See? Mm-hmm. So it kind of gets yep. the ego out of the way. You're like, uh, yeah, okay. So yeah, it's not you. It's, uh, it is you. Uh, if I do a good, you know, I, I did the show, The Doctors TV show and some of the evidence that came through and I said it right there on the panel on television. I said, you can give me a little of the credit, but it's them on the other side. You know what I mean? So if a student can refine themselves to be the best receptor of, of uh, spirit emanations, if they can make themselves so receptive, then I think they're, uh, they're treating their equipment and uh, doing the best that they can. Be the best equipment uh, that you can be. And you have to take a break with, from this too. Speaking of equipment, you are the vessel. You are the mechanic. You are the tool that does this. So I'll tell mediums too, walk away from this work once in a while. It can't be all spirit, 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 spirit. You're a physical being and a spiritual being. You have to honor both. Do the spiritual stuff, but go for a walk. Take your dog out. Put the book down. Let go. Because um, I'm, you know, many of us, as you know, ladies, I'm sure we drive our, our, love, our loved ones here crazy sometimes. You know? <laughs> you know? And luckily, hopefully, that some of us have support. But many people who are listening, who are mediums, they may not have the support uh, of their family members. And they're on their own. So that's why it's good to find your own spiritual tribe when you can talk about this. But try to do something physical also that has nothing to do with this work. You know, and you mentioned Janet. And when we, that's where Samantha and I met, which was you know, very synchronistic, obviously. But one of the things that she does that I absolutely love is she instills that sense of you have to have confidence in spirit. Yes. And I remember watching her do a demonstration and someone was saying, no, no. And she's, well, I know I'm right on that. You come back. And she, she just would not back down because she had that absolute trust that spirit was not going to let her down. And I think that's a, a huge, huge uh, consideration for anyone that's developing their mediumship is you have to trust them. They're not going to give you stuff to try to throw you off track. Right. And, and that's not Janet being cocky. It may come off. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's, it's, she, it's not, I think I have, or I believe I have a dad, or I think I have it. It's, I know I have a father. Yes. You know what I mean? It, it's a sense of knowing. But um, in, I've seen her work, and, and she te- I'm learning all the time. And anyone who's developing, when somebody said, like, she may come to someone and say, um, would you understand Agnes on the other side? And the, no, no. And Janet goes, yeah, you do. okay but she doesn't just say yeah you do she will take you there she'll go all right let's go on your father's side okay now your mother's sister is who oh my god agnes you see what (laughs) you can get a link you can get if you can get a link from a spirit then they can take you where you want to go it's uh it's not just about the download it's going back there and and your mind mapping it too but uh, that's confidence and she taught me um to do that it's uh you know, where to take it when somebody says no. So it's, it's pretty cool. And, it, and I've seen her do that. Uh, and she does come across as quite, we do teach a, cl- a workshop to the confident medium. Yeah. 
you, you got to build the confidence to do this. Because if you're nervous in front of, I think, ladies, do you do it in front of, did the two of you demonstrate in front of people um, on the platform or on stage, or are you more one-on-one? Uh, -on -one? Um, I do one-on-one, -on -one, but I'll also go to people's homes and do groups. So I do kind of mini platform stuff. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful because a, um, a lot of people, they aim to be a stage medium when in fact, they're, they're better off being a one-on-one. -on -one. Some mm -hmm. people, it takes a certain presence to be on stage. It takes a certain ego, not egotistical. You have to have somewhat of an ego to stand in front of a thousand people. You've got to be strong mm -hmm. in your personality because I teach my students, you got a thousand people, 200, 100 you have to keep the energy of that room going. It's up to you, because someone may walk off and go, God, they were awful. What did you do? You have to be, as a medium, you have to be the maestro and the conductor of every mediumship demonstration you do, whether it's in a group, a one-on-one, -on -one, or in front of a stage in front of 50 to 1,000 people. You, you are the one. So uh, it, it's a three-way communication. If the audience, if the energy is down in a group or a room, you better do something to raise that energy, or you're going to be pulling all night long and draining yourself. Yep. That's one of the things I learned from my weekend workshop with you and Janet. I'm sure you don't remember, John, but I was the one who signed up for your platform mediumship class and didn't know I'd have to stand on a platform. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the whole idea, John. <laughs> I thought platform mediumship meant take your mediumship to the next level. And I have never wanted to be a stage mediumship. I'm incredibly shy. I prefer one-on-one -on -one meeting with clients. I don't have that confidence and that ego ability to stand on stage. But one of the things that you two taught me so beautifully in that weekend workshop was to stand in your power, but also how to hold the link. Yes. That helped me so much. And you and Janet taught that, when you're doing mediumship, your energy is at such a high vibration. When you drop down to the level of psychic, and it's yeah. not like dropping down like psychics aren't as high and mighty as mediums. It's an energy <laughs> level. Right, sure, sure. That you can, you can lose that link. And that was, that was a game changer for me. Oh, absolutely. And if you do drop down to the psychic, you have to know as a medium, oh, I'm dropping down. Um, and I explain that to my audiences because um, – I try to tell people, like I had two sisters come for a reading once years ago, and I think I talked about this in the book, Bridging Two Realms. She wanted to know, I mean, her mother came through and, you know, with the validations, then I heard her like sigh at the end of the reading. I said, what? I said, well, you're not happy. She goes, no, John, that was great. She said, but my, the one thing I wanted to know, my mom did, my, I wanted my mom to tell me, should I divorce my husband? And I said to her, darling, I said, that's your decision. That's your karmic lessons. I've never had them come through and a mother come through and say, divorce them. Um, you know, so <laughs> if I do give advice, I know it's psychic. And I'll say, look, this is not coming from your father. This is coming from me, my, myself, intuitively. That's where the word, it comes from, psychic medium. And that John Edward came up with that. He's a psychic and a medium. Most, a lot of us are. Every medium is psychic. Not every psychic is a medium. And many people have heard that. But some can do both. And, and it's good to get the training. You know when you're dropping or when it's going into mediumship. So you're not flitting back and forth, you know, burning yourself out. So, um, yeah, but uh, Samantha, when it comes to that, dropping down to the psychic and keeping the, in, you know, holding, holding that space for the spirit, it's, um, I love teaching that, and so does Janet. It, it, it was incredibly helpful. 
Would you mind, I, I hope it's not too personal, but you, you share such a beautiful story in the book about your mom's visit from Wayne. And I just uh, think that can bring so much comfort to people. Well, many years, some years ago, when I came back from California, and little did I know, because a lot of our parents, especially um, Catholics, I'm from an Italian-Irish Catholic upbringing. On my Italian side of the family, very, very... I, if I was to do, I, you know, if I was to do my genealogy, it's easier to find my father's side than my mother's side because they came over from Italy, um, you know, her dad, and it's a little hard to track that down. And she kept a lot of stuff to herself. Years, I mean, as a man, I found out that my mom was in love with another guy before my dad, um, but my grandmother didn't um, allow it to happen. I didn't say that in the book, but it didn't happen. She wanted to marry this guy. Her, she was the oldest Italian daughter in the Catholic family. She wasn't allowed to go lead with him. And she's in her early 20s. And he, he was a sailor, really loved her. And so it ended. And then I found out that she loved this guy before my dad. And they were almost going to get married. I'm like, Ma, why didn't you say anything? She's like, well, why, Johnny? Why would I? You know, it didn't happen. And she, she just kept it a secret until my cousin told me because she would share it. My, uh, my mother would... My mother's sister, my Aunt Mary, knows about Wayne and that whole thing. So anyways, I finally tracked the family down. And I didn't talk about this in the book, but since you're asking, I tracked them down. Well, Wayne died at 50 uh, from a massive heart attack. And I spoke to wow. his son, and he said to me, um, I said, listen, I said, I may be, uh, I said, I know this sounds weird. This is my name. And I said, I think your dad and my mom dated each other when he was stationed in Boston, when his ship was in Boston. He said, well, my dad's ship was in Boston. What's your mother's name? And he says, my mother, he said, my uh, dad had a tattoo on his arm even before he met his mother. I mean, met my mother. And I said, well, what was the name? He said, Jenny. And I went, oh my God, that's my mother. Mm. And oh. so after they, after they broke, after when Wayne, when my mother couldn't move to the state he was in, it had to end. And so years later, she met my dad and she went on with her life. But, um, you know, my parents broke up. I found this guy, Stephen, her, this, uh, Wayne's son, and he sent a picture of Wayne when, as a young man, as when he was older, a picture of himself, his brothers, his brothers, his mother. And so I showed the picture. I, here's, my, here's my mom um, in, in uh, you know, in palliative care. And I said, Mom, is this him? And she went, oh, my God. And I said, Mom, he passed away when he was 50. She said, oh, wow, okay. And because she thought it would be great to say hello to him. Well, what happens is my mom gets even more, uh, more uh, she gets sicker and sicker and she's not here that much longer. And she's in the Portsmouth hospital and she's sitting up in bed. And I said, and she, and I walked in and I said, she said, hi, Johnny. And she goes, guess who came to visit me today? And I said, oh, ma, was it, was it Ro, Joe, Aunt Mary? I named the cousins. I named the, the, the neighbors. She's like, nope, nope. No. I said, ma, who came to visit you? And she said, Wayne. Now, I didn't say you're crazy because look at the work that I do. And I talk about, <laughs> I, I talk about uh, uh, deathbed visions and when loved ones from the other side come to you. And I said, well, mom, and I teach them in the book, ask questions. I said, well, mom, what did he say? And she said, he just sat at the end of the bed and says, you know, and she's like, what are you doing here? And she, he just says, I'm here just checking on you and everything's going to be fine. So there he was as a young man in full soldier uniform as um, she remembered him. And not too many, now, little private, I'm going to tell you something. And uh, so 
in the casket because it was a funeral. It, even though she was she had a wake, it was an it was an Italian Catholic service, so we had to do the wake. Well, it wasn't my father's picture in the coffin with her. It was Wayne's. Okay, oh, so yep, and uh, nobody saw it because I didn't want to like you know my father's family was at the service. I didn't want them like, well, why is he in there? Who's this sailor? So I kind of <laughs> hit it. And she said to me, "I want this in the casket with me with pictures of you kids." So pretty cool. So uh, oh, hopefully, it's so oh, romantic. It is romantic, yeah. But he did come to see her, and she wasn't on hallucinogenics, um, you know. And I talk about that in the book how doctors say. Um, when some people, and you were talking about David Kessler's book, Visions, Trips, and Crowded Rooms, beautiful. And I use one of his stories in there about deathbed visions, how your loved ones on the other side come to you. And some of the doctors say, oh, it's probably the drugs are hallucinating. Well, if they're, hallucinate, if they're hallucinating, I got to ask you, why aren't they seeing people alive? Why is it always someone that has already gone on? If they're hallucinating, then it should be open to anybody coming through, you know, uh, showing themselves or, you know, in the, in the person's mind. Why is it always people that have passed over and not the ones that are alive? So it's exactly. pretty cool. And in the story, one of the stories you shared in the book, I think from Vision Trips and Crowded Rooms, you know, she saw her husband, nobody even knew he had passed at that time. Exactly. Yeah. Mother's in the you hospital, can't... father's in the Alzheimer's unit, and the mother's about to pass. And she says, oh, Harry is here. I might get the name wrong. And, she, and the daughter says, Mom, you're confused. Dad's at, dad's, at the, dad's at his home across town. Then the phone rings, and then the nurse walks in. I'm sorry to tell you, Dad passed 10 minutes ago, just after the mother said, Harry's here. And she's like, Mom, it, it, Mom he's, still, well, he's, he's okay. And she's like, no, he's right here. He says he's waiting for me. 10 minutes before the guy passes away. So explain that. How can you explain someone who is thought to be alive? So really cool. You know what I mean? It's, it's these things, it's these stories that people go back to and they're like, okay, because there seems to be, a, I don't mind skeptics, but someone tries to disprove it. There's, there's evidence out there and there's even scientific research now with Dr. Gary Schwartz doing um, stuff in the lab with mediums and, and the afterlife. So it's, it's out there. It's, people have to, uh, people are like, well, where's the research? It's out there. They have to, they have to look for it. It's not, and it's not too hard to find. Just real quick on that. Uh, transfiguration is when spirit will come through visually on someone else's face, correct? Yeah. It's, I saw that okay. in England. Totally. Okay. Str- yeah. It's, it's, it's the blunt version. It's bizarre as hell to see that happen. But th- my point being people who are in palliative care or who have Alzheimer's or dementia I really have this theory that people in spirit are coming through as transfiguration. So if I walk into the room and, you know, my mom or my grandma, whoever is there, they're physically seeing that because two weeks before my mother passed, I was standing in her kitchen and she looked at me and she got this really funny look on her face. And I said, what is it? And she said, you just looked exactly like my father. And I said, well, it's the eyes and I favor that side of him. She says, no, Denise, you look exactly like my father. It was his face. And then she passed two weeks later. So I really think spirit gets closer. And, and Laura and I talked about this as well of when, as a medium, when I'm connecting with um, people in spirit, often I'll get folks who have Alzheimer's or dementia or end of life. They feel the same to me energetically as those in spirit. That fine line between the two realms is, is incredible at that point. Yeah, they may have in, in, in with Alzheimer's too. And I think that people in comas, um, I think they have one foot here and one foot on the other side also. So it is able to connect um, with somebody here. Many times, 
Um, I, you, you, mediums have said, I feel like I have a mum figure. And they'll be like, my mum is in a coma or my mum has Alzheimer's. So maybe a piece of them is on the other side that the medium is uh, in picking up. And Denise, it's true though, when you say someone could be looking across a shopping mall, parking lot, and that someone's driving a truck and you're like, oh my God, it looks just like my brother who passed away. Mm-hmm. Just like him. Then when you get close, you see, oh, it's not them. So I think that the spirit is superimposing their energy on top of them. Now, for the ones who are listening, you're thinking, that sounds so weird. It, 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 it's, it's called blending. It's called blending. So it's not like them taking over like Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost, <laughs> you know, with, the, with, uh, with uh, Patrick Swayze jumping in her body. But people have said this. They see someone across the street and you're like, oh, my God, it looks just like my mother. Mm-hmm. I, it's amazing things that the spirit world can do to validate that they're still with you. They really can. And your heart does stop when that happens. It's that quick, oh my, they're back. Um, oh, absolutely. I just, I know a lot of our listeners are uh, parents of empathic children. And the little people coming in now are off the charts with how sensitive, and I know all little kids are, are naturally intuitive, empathic, and they shut that down over time. We're all living examples of that, and you have to re reconnect with yourself. But I think for a lot of our listeners, they're searching for how can I help my, my child? How can I help them be successful in school? And it's, it's a different mind field for little kids in this generation, not only because of the, of the social media, the, the energy is so different, but I, I think any tips you could give for, for uh, parents and how to help their children who are um, highly sensitive would be fabulous. Well, what I think they should do is get their own, especially if they're little kids. Like, say you have someone who is, uh, she's six or seven. It's kind of hard to get into energy centers and aura with them. I think if the, if the parent gets an education, that's why, I mean, I love Psychic Navigator. I mean, I, I do love it, but it's not the only book, but it's a good book. If parent read that one little book, they'd understand energy, aura, energy, uh, aura, energy centers, and you could teach that child um, because the, the, the kid is still open. Every kid is born psychic and open. And they may see angels. They may see a, a someone's face at night and they're freaking out because it's really a great grandmother. You can ask the kid questions. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Are they giving you a name? Um, and the kid may talk to you. But another good tip, say you have a little girl. She's six years old and she's, and she's nervous at night or she has so much energy and she's seeing things. Teach the kid. Um, you don't have to stay energy centers. But you know where the energy centers are. The parents understand that, the seven of them. Teach the kid to turn down their lights. You see what I mean? Turn down their mm-hmm. lights. So you can just say, okay, mommy's going to touch your forehead. T- turn down your light. Make, it like a, make, make, it, make the light go dimmer. Or shut the flowers. Or shut the flowers. You are teaching the kid to shut down without saying those words. You're teaching the kid mm-hmm. to be less sensitive. So let the parents get an education first. Uh, and I talk about that in the Spirit Whisperer. There's a huge chapter for teachers and parents in what they can do to help their sensitive or uh, psychic child. Because a lot of kids are not just psychic, but they're also very sensitive these days, too, um, because there's a lot of stuff out there. So, yeah, good question, Denise, though. You must be a mom, Denise. <laughs> yes, I am, to, to one very empathic son so, and one who's very linear sequential. So it's been an interesting ride. Absolutely. Um, but thank you. That's, that's incredibly helpful. It really is because that's what I think that's the key for all parents is to educate them first before they can hope to help their child with opening yeah, and awakening. Yeah. Let them understand what's going on with them. 
uh, with, with their child. So they understand to teach a kid, there's nothing to be afraid of. It's like playing music. You have this ability. And I think a parent shouldn't put their, make their kid a psychic stage show. Also, you know what I mean? Let the kid, and please, you understand this, let the kid be a kid. Yes. Let them know that yes. just, this is just an ability that they have, you know, and it doesn't make them weird. Too many people watch, uh, they're basing a lot of psychic or mediumship stuff on what they see on television uh, or in the movies. It's over-dramatized it's over, uh, uh, big time, if I'm saying that word. Too much drama. Because they, they have to make it dramatic because it's television. Right. I agree. And the meditation that is included in Psychic Navigator is one of the best meditations, I think, to open up and to really feel those energy centers, too. I, I wanted to ask you, you talk so much in Bridging Two Realms about the process of the soul. And you talk about how a soul chooses his or her parents, which is something I, I think we all strongly believe in. Do you believe that a soul chooses their parents based on life lessons and challenges they need to experience? Or Absolutely. is it based on more of an energy match? I think it's the lessons. And I think um, we come back in soul groups. I know my mom was my daughter in another life and I was the dad. And in this life, I mean, in that past life, Brian Weiss, I'm so lucky. He took me through a personal uh, past life regression because he would do these huge group regressions at the I Can Do It conferences with Hay House. And many people would come out of these, uh, hypno come, out of, come out of the hypnosis and um, I saw this, I saw this. I, I felt I was in India, I was in the West, I was this, and my clothes were different. I was in a guy, I was a, ma I was a woman. And I'd, wait, I'd, I'd be like, well, what happened to me? I think I, I thought I took a good nap. And uh, he, told me that, he, told, he told me that I was a somberist, meaning um, that I go deep, you know, and I'm not surprised. So he said, let me take you through one if we ever have so we were at omega once and at the bed and breakfast he did a personal regression and i wasn't expecting it but my daughter my mom was my daughter and i as a as a older man i was a minister seems like i'm always in religion um <laughs> or a medium or something um so i had a lung disease and my daughter was watching me at 14 and uh, you know she was my mom in that life no she was my daughter in that life well the rose are reversal reverse now um, she was my mom in this life, and I was the I was the child, and she passed from a lung disease. So wow. I think that we do come back in soul groups, but I I do think we choose our parents, and I chose. And some people, they may say, "You mean to tell me that people uh, on the other side, before they come in here, they're going to choose to be in famine? They're going to choose to be in uh, a war a war torn country? Think about it. On the other, and I talk about this in the book. On the other side. They, they know what they're choosing. They know the outcome and what they have to learn. Not everyone's going to live in Rainbowville. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, you know, they choose that. And I think that the people that choose the hard conditions are learning the most. Um, and they're helping the world at the, at the same time. But yes, I was born into an alcoholic family. And not, you know, was that my choice? If you think about it, I know what suffering is. I know what pain is. So um, I'm not putting down... Uh, I think my childhood, the, the, the alcoholism that was around me with my dad, I think it just enhanced my sensitivity and made me more compassionate. And I know what suffering is so I could help somebody else to understand what they're going through when it comes to pain. Yeah, so I, I do believe we choose on the conditions or, um, yeah, absolutely. It's definitely, Denise, probably about the conditions. It's hard to believe those because it's something, but many people, if I say to people, 
do you believe you chose your parents? Either people are like, no way, or it resonates with people and say, you know, if it resonates with someone who is listening to this saying, you know what, that sounds right to me, then trust that. That sounds right to me in your heart and soul. You know, it feels right. Then go for it. Do you find there a, there's a connection? You mentioned you grew up in an alcoholic family. The best mediums in America, in my opinion, are you and Janet, James Von Prague, and John Edward. All of you grew up Catholic. All of you grew up with an alcoholic. I know, right? Yeah. Do I don't know. Not connection? Um, I don't know. Um, I, I, it's, I know many, like I, um, I know a lot of mediums, okay, especially in England. And not every one of them had trauma in their family. Some did grow up in that were great parents. Uh, but I do find that, uh, you know, there is some type of suffering as a child uh, with a lot mm-hmm. of mediums. People who are mediums now, usually, uh, well, I'll ask you, um, Denise and Samantha, when you were younger, were there hints of this as you as a kid? Was there hints of this ability? Yes, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. It's, uh, I was fascinated by um, anything that had to do with magic, spirits, uh, religion, the religious movies on TV, Moses, the Ten Commandments, the Lords, the Lady of Fatima. I was always fascinated by this. And, uh, Bewitched, you know, my, Scooby-Doo. Yep, 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 <laughs> my, my favorite, yep, I say that on stage, my favorite TV programs, you would always catch me in front of them, Bewitched, I Dream a Genie, and Dark Shadows, the soap yep. opera. Yep. So, uh, you know, for the older people would understand Doc Shadows, but uh, yeah, it is definitely there as a child. And I believe that uh, we are similar. Um, it seems like every media, a lot of mediums, I should say, a huge percentage have had some type of suffering um, in their life. Yeah. Well, you know, Rumi says you have to have a broken heart to have an open heart. And absolutely. I always think there's a connection there. Yeah, absolutely. And I try to tell, you know, someone may be listening for the first time to this or come to see me. And uh, that's why I start off sometimes, I don't go right into mediumship. That's why I'm teaching stuff about the soul, uh, you know, um, at Omega, you know, power of the soul, because you are a soul that comes with the body, not a body that comes with the soul. And of course, I bring in Lynn Robinson, who's a business intuitive, and um, she can tell people. Uh, it's so, isn't it funny, ladies, when you say intuition, that's accepted. But the mm-hmm. minute you say the word psychic, they're like, woo-woo, you know? So <laughs> you know, I got this thing coming up with um, Lynn Robinson um, in, uh, you know, Soul Intuition down in uh, Braintree this year in June. And uh, to, wa- to work with her, too, to go from uh, intuition to the soul, there's a lot. It's not just about people on the other side. You are an incredible sentient being. The abilities that you have that you're born with that are free are here for you, um, where you can uh, use them in your everyday life. It's not just about people on the other side. You can use your abilities for work, relationships, to help others, and why not? So, and more and more people are being drawn to the subject, and I think always will, ladies. And you know how it is, too. Mediumship in the media, it goes up, it takes a dip, then somebody else comes out on TV, then it goes up, then it goes down, then it goes up. I think we're on a high right now with it. I agree. And I have a, another different question is I love, love, love the work you do with your CODA fund and your devotion to animals. And one of the things we talked about, Samantha and I had on another show, we were talking about different types of empathy and one of those being an animal empath. And I know that, again, a lot of folks that are listening and a lot, a lot of people very dear to me are so connected to their animals on a soul level. And I'm wondering if that 
your, your devotion to the animals, if you consider yourself being an animal empath or skills people can use to develop that connection with, with their pets or... Um, yes, um, Danielle McKinnon, really good colleague of mine. Um, I, I've done it before. If there is a process, you drop down your energy to the level of the animal, or that's just the way I thought it, you could. And I did, I was at someone's uh, house once and I just said, I said something to the owner. I forget, it was a friend of a friend or something. And I said, oh, I said something about the cat. I can't even think of what it was. She's like, how did you know that? I said, the cat told me. And, you know, it's, and it's not like Dr. Zeus where you see the mouth moving or like one of those apps <laughs> where the, you know, it's, um, but I, I, I had, gr growing up, I, I didn't know I loved dogs this much. I had two dogs taken away from me that broke my heart at, in two different situations that broke my heart. And I call these soul wounds. I mean, it, 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 it must have left a mark on me because I am so connected to dogs. Um, mm -hmm. And I have one, you know, my buddy Coda. And it's just, uh, I think anyone can learn uh, to have better communication with your, with your, uh, with your animal, except they, they show you in pictures. And uh, there's a pretty, yeah. And I think I talk about this in the, I'm pretty sure I talk about this in, about animals, about Coda's tooth. Um, I'm on the couch one day and I, I took him to, he just had his teeth done yesterday. I took him to the vet and she said, um, his teeth look fine, John, let's do a clean in in a few months. Well, a week passes, he's on the couch and in my head I heard bad tooth. Now, this talks about logic. This is in the training of the book, Bridging Two Rhymes. Uh, I just listened. I didn't, I did, logic says, well, the, see, do you hear him downstairs? Yeah. Yeah, he knows you're okay. talking about him. Yeah, probably. <laughs> or it's the UPS guy. Um, they, they talk about, uh, now logic says, um, well, that must be me because the doctor just saw him and said he had to be for a couple of months, his cleaning. Well, I went in there and I said, can we do this sooner than later? I didn't tell her that I heard it in my head. So I, I just said, um, it must be the UPS guy, ladies, I'm sorry. So, oh, um, no, that's all right. Yeah. So, um, she said, okay, well, when she, when she went in there to do the x-ray, there was an abscess that, has, that, wasn't being, that wasn't shown yet. It wasn't coming on. The, now, if you look at a tooth, you don't see an abscess that's just developing until it actually shows. Well, because of that, I stopped a major infection from happening. So, yes, you can have communication with your animals. And you know when they look at you, cat, dog, whatever animal it is, you know they're connecting with you on a soul level because they have souls too. And, and I, I agree with your wording implicitly, and I've had animals and dogs my whole life, pets, you know, the whole thing, but a couple have been true soul connection animals for me, and one in particular, really, the dog ended up being diagnosed with leukemia, the vet said, you know, at the most two months, so we made quality of life, we swam in the river more, we walked more, you know, and the dog ended up lasting for another four years, staying for another four years, and got myself and my family through four of the hardest years of our lives. And in my, my heart, I know that dog stuck around to make sure we were all okay before he left. And Absolutely. that connection and that, that empathy, that, that purity of, of animals is, um, is such a sacred gift for us here on, as we're here on earth, I believe anyway. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, um, there's a, a vet that I was watching on, um, Animals will stay, I feel, as long. Some leave because they feel like their job is done, um, even though you don't know that's, that's why they left. And they know. And, you know, Coda's going to be 11. You know what I mean? And, you know, he's a Westie. He could live, you know, they can live to be 
13, 14, 15, 16, I know I'll be devastated when that day happens. But I have to remember too, it doesn't mean because I'm a medium, it's going to be any easier. He, his own soul has its own plan. It really, really does. His soul has its own plan. And I heard something from a vet and I, I really feel this too. Um, a lot because you know I do the CODA fund and I helped raise $100,000 for the SPCA for operations for animals that need it. So wow. I do it for the animals. He inspired me, my dog, you know, and uh, I really feel uh, the vet said to me, on, this was on, online actually, I heard her say this, some people keep their animals here way too long sometimes for, because we don't want to let them go. As long as the, and this goes to you, Denise, because you said the dog with four years, as long as the animal is comfortable in their body. Yes. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah I, I, and I know it's easier said than done because here I am saying, you know, I, you know, but I haven't had, I know all my friends have lost animals, you know, with the greatest respect. I haven't had to do that yet. So, you know, some people listening, they're going to be like, okay, you'll see. I know. I've been there without my friends. So, uh, they're very, very special animals. And now that Coda is 11, or he's going to be 11 in a few months, I have a whole new appreciation uh, for my dog, uh, even more so. So every day, there he is, bouncing out of bed. You ready? <laughs> He's about, let's be, and you're thinking, what does this have to do with spirit? They have spirits too. Animals don't live in the past, really. Every day, it's a new day for him. He forgets about yesterday. Although he had a tea cleaning yesterday, I think he's still holding, holding on to it. Uh, <laughs> today. So we'll go outside for a walk later. But uh, yeah, ladies, I love them. But I do believe that you can connect uh, to your animals. Why not? It's a spirit, spirit to spirit. They're made up of the same stuff that you are. And, and also, it's that same thing you brought up earlier in the show, as far as you would never hold a loved one in a, a, a carbon based human here longer than they needed to be. And you would say it's, it's okay to go. I really believe energetically, it's the same thing with our animals. Yep, we know absolutely. when it's time for them to, to leave and, and send them with love. Um, yep. But thank you very much for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Before we close out, John, can you share with us, who are you when you're not John Holland? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I was just saying to my uh, manager today, Simon, I said, you know what? Uh, I went from writing the book to edits to being, in, to being in the studio for seven days, for it's my first book on audio, um, audio is big now, to right. going to LA to do the doctors. And um, John is just a guy. So when he's not doing this, he tries to just be a guy, but there's always that next project. I have to schedule my time out way ahead of time. Um, but who am I? I am someone that loves, that would love the opportunity to take more art classes. Um, I, I wanna work more around my house. I want to travel less. I've been doing it for, I don't know, God, 16 years um, on the road a lot. And it's, I understand that I'm honored and I'm blessed to serve. Um, but this year and more so next year, um, I want John is the person who wants to enjoy some downtime, but still work for spirit, take an art class. And I want to get more involved with um, animals. And I, I volunteered when the time is open if I can't be, I'll be honest with you, two ladies. I checked out not too long ago what it would be to, to be a vet tech. That's how much I love animals. But unfortunately, it's two years training to be certified, and you have to do 400 hours in the, um, in the veterinary office to be credited. So I said, okay, what else could I do? 
So I put it out there to a vet. Um, I put it out to a vet that when animals come out of anesthesia, um, there's, usually, there's usually a vet tech there to wrap them, keep them warm, hold them, um, you know, especially if they're a rescue. So I want to be the, the, and it was already agreed to that I have this opportunity where I'll be the one that, um, that the animal is with when they come out of anesthesia mm. operation. So that's what I want. I want some more artwork. Uh, I want to be more with the animals. So that's who John is really. And, um, and it, in one of my books, I talk about, it's, it's not my purpose. Everyone's like, what's my purpose? My purpose is not to be a medium or radio host or an author. I believe that every soul is meant to, their purpose or your purpose, its purpose is to be that you all, be all that you can be, a divine being from God using your gifts, talents, and abilities to help others. My ability of mediumship helps others. So my purpose is, I think that we're all meant to help each other on this planet, uh, to tell you the truth. We're not, we're not alone. And, you know, I wish there was more partnership with each other. So, uh, yeah, find your, find your ability, find what you can offer to everyone, and you'll be living your purpose as a soul. That's what I feel. But ladies, thank you for, I, you know, obviously we could, we could talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, <laughs> but uh, thank you so much. Anything anyone wants to know, guys, about my stuff in New England, Lynn Robinson or Omega uh, or Kripalu, just go to johnholland.com and the book is there too. And, you know, thank you so much for recommending the book. It, uh, it means a lot. And maybe, you know what, maybe one person who hears this, if it's one person and they go and the book helps them, then I feel like uh, we're doing our job, ladies. I really, really do. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank oh, you. it's been an honor, John. And we just hope everyone goes and checks out John Holland's website with all of his wonderful events coming up this summer. And please, please, please read Bridging Two Realms. It is a go-to reference guide everybody should have on their bookshelves. Thank, thank you, you so much, John, for being uh, who no, you are. Please. Thank you. And thank you for the podcast and keep doing what you're doing, ladies, because I heard that uh, you're doing pretty well. A lot of people are listening in to this podcast. So uh, keep doing what you're doing and spreading the word. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. All right. God bless. Take ladies. care, everyone. You thank you for listening, everyone. Don't forget to show up, do great work and share your light. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye.